Hey, what's up? It's McBreezy here from Classrooms and Compton, a podcast about strategies, methods, and pedagogy that work in classrooms in Compton, like mine. I've gone four episodes where I've shared strategies in each one, and today I think I veer away from the strategy um, more toward what I really believe is the shared responsibility of teaching. So please listen in with an open heart and know that I mean this in the nicest way possible and have the best intentions. I want to talk about something that I find is like really near and dear to my heart. I taught at a school, a charter school, for four years and one of their premises of their charter was interdisciplinary teaching interdisciplinary assessment and let me tell you I fell in love with interdisciplinary teaching at that time so I want to talk about the shared responsibility of teaching you know teachers guard their content area especially in high school and so I'm going to talk about letting go a little bit. Teachers are often married to their content areas. And I get it. It is our job in 180 days to take a subject that is extensive and vast and educate students who have little to no prior knowledge of our subject and get them to some level of proficiency. 180 days. I mean, that's quite a tall task. So before you shut me off, because I must not get it, I want you to remember this, right? I'm not asking you to divorce your content completely. I'm not asking you to leave it behind. I'm asking you to work with other teachers on your campus. And I believe it can be done even in the 180 days. And I am speaking from the perspective of an English teacher English classrooms are one of the most overused classrooms for non-Englishlings on campus. I think we lose the most amount of school days out of everyone. Let me explain what I mean. So at my school, the only class that students have by grade level, like all ninth grade students have English. All 10th grade students have 10th English. All 11th grade, 11 English. It's the only class that they have that. And and now we might have some upperclassmen who are making up a lower English class, but like normally not more than like three. However, like in math, we divide students not by grade, but by math levels. So students aren't typically in an all ninth grade math class or an all 10th grade math class. So it's English classes that we're asked to do school business, like student surveys allow counselors to come and speak to our students. Clubs love to come and make announcements to English classes. The College Center uses English classes to get kids signed up and thinking about college and signed up for college boards. You know, we're also in the assessment bracket and in my district, it's only English and math that currently give common assessments. In fact, if you think I don't understand how vital your days are, 
last year during the pandemic, we were calendared for 65 days of class for assessing students. And yes, some of the teachers used every single one of them. So let's consider a school year for an English teacher. We have 180 days in an academic year. 65 of them now have been taken for assessment. Subtract another 10 for students and teacher absences. 11 for non-English things like school business, including pulling teachers for meetings, IEPs, and otherwise. So that's 180 days minus 86, which leaves 94 school days to teach students a year's worth of English information. So when I say I realize that you feel under the gun trying to teach your content area and only your content area, I understand. However, being an adult who lives in the world and sees the skills that I need to use on a daily basis so that I can be successful, I realize that I need to think beyond my own content and find ways to incorporate other content areas and other ideas into my curriculum. Just like I believe taking time out to do Gardner's multiple intelligence theory is valid if I want to build community. Just as I believe teaching common sense digital citizenship lessons are valid and needed in my classroom, I feel that interdisciplinary brain usage, having students think about one subject but in several content areas, is vitally important. I feel the pressure. I mean, I have even less time than most of you. I only get half the time to devote to my students learning English. And on top of that, I teach many English language learners. You know, our school has a newcomer program for students who have been in the U.S. for less than six months. And because I teach general education and not AP or honors classes, I often have quite a few of these students in my classes. Now, I welcome them. In fact, I mean, I love my English language learners. And I'm going to go off topic here for a second. I just want to make this argument because I believe that all of my students are English language learners. I'd like to find a new label. Moreover, I mean, I believe I'm an English language learner. I'm not an English language learner because I'm bilingual. I don't speak another language. In fact, my college Spanish oof, is so terrible. I went to college in Utah. Wasn't practicing my language skills after the class. My students will verify the horrendous accent that I cannot recreate. So I am an English language learner because I grew up in Watts, California. And a lot of the speaking I do with my family and friends is based on African-American vernacular English. So in settings where I feel most comfortable, and my classroom happens to be one of those places, I often will drop my professional standard English and fall back to the comfort of broken English that I grew up speaking and continue to speak with my friends daily. You know, along with the fact that English is an evolving language, we're adding words to the dictionary every year and we also remove many words that are no longer being used. Therefore, most, if not all of us, truly are English language learners. Okay, back on track. 
I share all this with you to say that I cannot have a clear conscience and only teach English in my classroom. I cannot stick to a canon of dead white men as the only books that we read. I cannot rely on literature as the only text that we read, but that informative text annotating and analyzation needs to be hit on heavily. Those are the skills they're going to need for college. I cannot continue to teach the same story that I've taught for the last 10 years and expect my students to be highly engaged. I may be able to keep one or two of them and still build excitement, but I mean, I want to expose my students to authors that are like them, stories that have characters that resemble them, that are from neighborhoods like them, that attend schools like them, that face situations much like theirs. And if I am not, then I need to refresh my browser. I need to find ways to find informative articles about relevant topics that we can apply English skills to. And to touch on skills and knowledge that are about those other contents, especially if I feel that it's really necessary for my students to learn that. It takes some outside of the box creative thinking and for me personally, a lot of dishwashing because for some reason, dishwashing always broke my writer's block and now it works on my lesson plans. But to create these lessons, one lone teacher struggles to have the time or creativity to really make these unique experiences. But we try because we want to get the most bang for our buck. It should be a shared responsibility. If I was working with other teachers and other disciplines and we were planning, like the science teacher was teaching one reading strategy and the history teacher was focusing on a certain type of writing, then the responsibility of me teaching students everything they need to know for the test to have a better life to have a better chance at college would be a shared responsibility. I mean, as far as I'm aware, in every classroom on my campus, at some point during the year, we'll have students read. Therefore, every teacher on my campus is a reading teacher. And almost every classroom on my campus will have students write. Therefore, every teacher on my campus is a writing teacher. Now, maybe it's just in my experience at this district, but I mean, according to my friends, it's happening at their schools as well. And that is that the 11th grade does the testing. In high school, only 11th grade is state tested. In middle school, sixth, seventh and eighth, all three grades test and in elementary school, I wish I knew. But in 11th grade, it's just that one grade. And often they're seen as the responsible parties for those test scores. Literally all the pressure for taking those tests and receiving those scores is on the shoulders of English teachers and math teachers. And yes, in the future, science teachers will be taking a similar test so science teachers be forewarned that if we do not change the culture on campuses now to shared responsibility, 
you will also be shouldering the burden. In fact, I find it so difficult to swallow that even lower grade English teachers do not feel responsible for the low test scores that students receive. You know, it's a lot of stress, the administration of the test. And then you have to sit through your administration presenting the scores, how they present the information, whether they can pull together the correct scoring to be shared out. I mean, as a teacher, you feel tied to this. We need to build a tighter teacher community so that we can share responsibilities and we can share the data points that come from it. And that's not what often happens. So what we see is 11th grade English and math teachers putting their shoulders down and pushing forward the best they can, but they're often checked out of other campus activities because of the pressure they feel because of the isolation they feel from their colleagues, the non-support. And this has got to change. 11th grade English and math teachers should not be the only ones feeling the pressure of our students not being proficient. Now, yes, I am against standardized testing in the way it's currently handed out. However, I do feel that assessment is necessary. And at some point we have to acknowledge the validity that students who cannot read or write are not going to be as successful in the real employment world as a student who is proficient in reading and writing. I still know that my students are reading far below grade level and are writing often farther below that. So both topics will be addressed at some time in this podcast, but for today, I just want to go back to my main point which is if you teach on a campus, you are part of a team. You're part of a team of teachers who all have the same goal, hopefully, which is to get our students the best education and the best educational opportunities. So they're better equipped to face the world of employment. It's not one teacher and one subject matter to drop the education on students. It's not only one content area that should teach reading and writing, even math. I mean, at least history teachers should be paired up with English teachers because those pair nicely. And math and science, they pair nicely as well. I know a lot of math teachers out there who teach academic vocabulary in their classroom based on the word problems currently used on the tests. And I think that's great. And I want to know how I can better support my math teachers in my classroom. You know, I'm not a specialist in history or science. So I need my history and science teacher to join with me, my math teacher to join with me to share basic knowledge so that I can make sure that I'm instructing my students correctly. Especially when it comes to that new math. My daughter told me I had no idea what I was doing. And I'd like to know so that when students do ask me for help, I can help them. So I need teachers to listen, to be receptive to ways in which I get students to better read or write. And then we can all work together to get them to proficiency. You know, the common core creators believe much the same thing because 
The Common Core state standards include reading and writing centered standards in specific areas, writing history, I'm sorry, writing history standards in writing, writing and science. Those standards exist. And honestly, they're quite close to the English standards. But truthfully, if I have to take a lesson and teach students background in, let's say, an American history, 11th grade, so they can access the founding documents, then that's a lesson in grammar that I cannot give. That's a lesson in figurative language that I cannot give. That's a lesson in English that I cannot give because I've just given a history lesson. So what I ask you, and I really plead with you, think outside of your classroom, outside of your content, and find creative ways to incorporate real-world information into your class. And I plead with you to work with other teachers to come off your island. I mean, let's form a community. No one teacher can do it alone. If you happen to know me as the creator of this podcast, I mean, I'm here for you. Please come see me so we can bounce thoughts off each other. And if not, find another teacher. Find somebody to work with. Let's take a year to plan some lessons before we actually give them. Because planning does take time. But let's get started on the work. Now, much like I said about third-party textbooks... We cannot wait for someone on the outside to dictate how we come together on the inside. Administration should not be the ones requiring us to work together. We should be able to pull together on our own because we all want the same outcome for our students. So maybe in the past, being married to your content area was the best relationship on campus you could be in. But today, it's time for divorce. It's time to see other people And those people are outside of your department and outside of your specialty area. Because I truly believe what's needed, the talent and the will and the drive, it exists on most campuses. And that one of the problems is administration hasn't always been supporting of teachers to give us the confidence that we need, confidence we need to reach outside of our department. But I believe we can pull together as teachers. We can lead the way for our district. That we teachers can do the work and the administration the administrators can learn from us. That oftentimes the answers that exist to the problems we all face are among us. But we have to speak to each other. We have to get to know each other. We have to be able to lower our guard. I want to know what my colleagues think students need to learn. But what I can say is what we've been doing is not working. If it was working, I would champion that. But I've seen the test scores. So let's go back to the drawing board until we find something that does work. And let's not wait for someone else to tell us. I want to say thank you for joining me for another episode of Classrooms in Compton. I truly hope you go out and be brave today and find someone to start some of this interdisciplinary planning with.
until next time, I'm McBreezy.